y'all. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I'm Melissa. And I'm Scotty. <laughs> and we are so excited to be back today because it feels like we haven't recorded in like a month. I know. It really does. It's the weirdest fucking thing. I, I have been completely useless. <laughs> Very ill. Just absolutely that's okay though that was a joke that was a joke cough i'm not deathly ill (laughs) i didn't say deathly i just said very oh well i am deaf and ill so there you go deathly ill deathly ill oh yeah that sounds like something a lot of people in louisiana get (laughs) deathly ill (laughs) yep how my oh whole my family God. decides to talk. <laughs> like, fuck. Welcome back to Gals and Gore, episode eight. Episode eight. Oh my Get God. Ready. We're basically oh. like a certified real podcast now. <laughs> yeah, somebody named James Potter sent us an email and like, that's definitely Harry Potter's dad. We know you're dead. We know Voldemort killed you, so... Yeah, you're not tricking anyone. You're not tricking us to James Potter. Uh-uh. Right. I was like, you oh, have... hello. Excusez-moi. You've been getting um, some, some interesting fan mail. Little yeah. planter, planeteer. <laughs> oh, yeah, I did get some interesting fan mail. There's a lot to unpack with that. Mm-hmm. We had a really good time. Um, breaking that one down. Yeah, he told me his name was Captain Planet. (laughs) And I thought he was a woman in a halter top. I mean... Yeah. I think it was a lanyard, but, you know, it's perfectly acceptable not to be wearing a shirt at all in this heat. It's perfectly acceptable to wear a halter top at all times, man or woman. For sure. Whatever you do, you just do it. You do it, Captain Planter. I don't think it was Captain Planter. I think it was Captain Planet. <laughs> he wasn't like Captain Garden Planter. He was like Captain Planet, like the globe. Oh my god, I'm a dumbass. I hate my. <laughs> okay, so. Captain Garden Plant. <laughs> oh I hate god. you. <laughs> You're the one who said it. It wasn't me. Don't take advantage of my deteriorating brain state. (laughs) The fact that you're deathly ill. (laughs) So sorry. You're such a good friend. So before we get started today, I just want to remind you to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Yes. That's how other people find us and know that we exist. So, you know. Because now Say I, think, good. I think we have, like, Say what, like, seven bad. reviews? Like, wow, really? Yeah, and I'm like... Seven? That's a lucky number. That's yeah. a big that's I'm a like, one. no pictures, please. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so many pictures. This pandemic, it's crazy. Oh, my um, God. Everybody would literally be running for the hills if they saw us right now. <laughs> so, we want to give a shout-out to your new best friends podcast with Tabby and Mike because they are fan fucking tabulous. You guys are a fucking delight. 
And I honestly can say that, like, I listened to it in the tub and was, like, cackling because I feel like you guys really are my new best friends. Um, I Now I have a total of three. <laughs> so proud of you. Yeah, I actually listened to it as well, and I thought it was so hilarious. I think my favorite one was, um, <clears throat> I think it's titled, like, What You're Doing to That Banjo is a yeah. Hate Crime. <laughs> yes. Uh, that's my kind of people yeah so it's a satire podcast and they just chat yeah. um and they're hilarious so if you're looking for another podcast your new best friends yeah they're fucking funny uh, definitely a recommendation um also want to give a shout out to one of my good friends emily larsh she has been keeping up with the pod that's what she calls it the pod on the rag and she said she couldn't finish the last episode because she was driving to Shreveport and she said it was too dark oh. and early in the morning and she's afraid she's going to break down and someone was going to try to slit her throat with a dull knife. Yes. <laughs> I too fear that every day. So she was like, I haven't finished the last one, but I'm on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I love it. So go M. We love you. Yes, girl. Okay. So Today is your turn to tell me a story. Yes, and I can hear your alcohol sloshing in the background. Yeah, this is, um, I've been into this other podcast recently called This Podcast Will Kill You, and it is to die for. (laughs) It would give you such bad anxiety, but it's basically a podcast about virology and epidemiology and two girls named Erin, and they're hilarious, but they also talk about all kind of diseases and it's so gruesome but also amazing you know I'm in school for you know health stuff and I love it but every mm -hmm. episode yeah every episode they make a drink that they drink together and they call it a quarantini Uh oh okay so this is my version of the podcast will kill you quarantini today well, I am not into that podcast because my anxiety will already kill me without listening mm-hmm. to it. So Yeah, I don't recommend it for you. I'd have to take a large Xanax and like a whole bottle of wine to listen to like just the first 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, back to murder. <laughs> Tell me. I'm so excited about your episode today. Oh. All right. So, today I am telling you about the murder of Jane Britton. Oh, I think you switched it up on me. There was another one I thought you were going to do. So yeah. This is new. Okay. I know. Okay. I had several cases to choose from, and this one just really caught my attention. So, Jane was Jane. born in 1945. Um, and she was the daughter of, like, two pretty important people in, like, the collegiate community. Her father, okay. J. Boy Britton, was an administrative VP of Radcliffe College in Cambridge, oh. um, which was, like, a very selective women's college that shared ties with Harvard. So, like, hashtag very prestigious, okay? Mm, um, and her mom, Ruth, was a scholar in medieval history at the Radcliffe <gasps> Institute for Advanced Study. So she comes from, like, a very, you know, long line of, like, scholars and, you know. um, Well-educated people. Yeah, yeah. And, like, so basically what you need to know about Jane was that she was, like, a badass student. 
and she was super into her schooling. She also Hell went to yeah. Radcliffe College, um, and she majored in anthropology there. Oh, cool. She sounds like my kind of gal. Yeah. She was she was a pretty cool chick. I mean... Yeah. Because, you know, we've both been in college for, like, God... 12,000 years? 14 years. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. I feel you, Jane. I love it, too. So, props to you, girl. Especially in, like, the 50s and 60s, you know, for yeah. women. It's yeah. like, way to go. Oh, just wait. She's a badass. So, after she graduated from Radcliffe, she was accepted into Harvard's graduate program. Um, and she was particularly interested in Near Eastern archaeology. Hmm. That's always fun. Right. And she actually was one of, like, several doctoral candidates who accompanied their department chair to a dig in southeastern Iran. And Jane was credited with one of the digs, like, really big finds. Wow. I think that archaeology and digging up stuff in the desert is so cool. It's something that I used to want to do when I was a little kid. Oh, my God. Same. Yeah. Yes, because I watched The Mummy, like, yes. a bunch of times. Oh, so. my God, yes. I literally just want to, like, be out there, like, you know, with my little brush and my Paint little... brush? Yeah, like, fucking yes, sweeping just like they did bones. in Jurassic Park. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Jane is basically everything that we ever wanted to be. Right. Basically. Got it. Yeah. Except, I don't know if you and I in that heat and I ran. Yeah, I was about to say that. That's probably not a good um, factor for me, but. Can we dig up things from the snow? Yeah, like maybe like like Norway. Maybe like a big frozen mammoth. We could like thaw it out. Oh, yeah. That seems nice. That seems nice. That sounds like my scene. Um, Get your Crocs with the fur ready. (laughs) Oh, oh, God, wait, I just have to tell you. <clears throat> Jan messaged the group, our family group, the other night and was like, I finally figured out how to take my fur out of my Crocs so I could clean them. And I was like, no. <laughs> Not you too, Jan. Oh, God, this Croc fur pandemic. It's worldwide. It's an issue. <laughs> okay, back to Jane. Uh, okay, so... After Jane returned from her dig, she actually, like, settled into, like, a a little fourth-floor apartment. It was a Harvard-owned building two blocks from Harvard Square. And this building that she lived in was known for being completely unsafe. I'll get to that in a second. Okay, outside of her studies, you need to know that Jane was, like, super to herself, all right? Um, She had a turtle and a cat. And she basically, like, only socialized with students in her department. And, I mean, her friend, or um, depending on what source you read, her boyfriend, James Humphreys. So, Wait, Dan Humphreys from yeah, Gossip Girl? Yeah. I think it was XO him. Gossip Girl. Whoever killed her, I think it was him. I'm just saying that now. <laughs> Don't trust anyone with the last name Humphreys. <laughs> you? No offense if that's you. <laughs> Listening, dear reader. I mean, oh. listener, whatever. Um, okay, so, yeah, I'm liking her more and more already. Very few friends. Yeah. Loves our studies. Fourth floor apartment in a sketchy neighborhood. Right. It just sounds like me. Yeah. So, before I get into the story, I really need to tell you about how unsafe this neighborhood and her apartment was, okay? Like, okay. Um, some newspaper accounts described the building as, like, decrepit, 
and unsafe. Um, the New York Times called it seedy and roach infested with like peeling paint oh. in the hallways. Okay. Yeah, it's like, you know, so like I'm picturing like a super quaint, like homey building. Um, Very homey for a and roaches. Actually, yeah. from like the outside, the building doesn't look that bad. Um, I'll put some pics on our website. A lot of people, there were a lot of complaints about the safety of the building. So in 1963, a graduate student at Boston University had actually been raped and murdered in her apartment in the exact same building as Jane. And the crime had not been solved five years later, but it was believed that she was one of the Boston Strangler victims. Mm. So there was a lot going on in this time. I mean... The Harvard Crimson, which a lot of my um, information was from, reported that the building was littered, dingy, there was no locks on the outside doors, and, like, apparently a lot of the tenants had, like, pleaded and, like, begged management to install, like, a buzzer system or some sort of, like, security um, to, you know, restrict people from coming in and out of the building. Oh, so it was, like, not only structurally dangerous but it was also dangerous as far as like people coming in and committing crimes because it wasn't safe correct in order to keep people out correct and jane's own apartment door had a lock that was so dysfunctional that she barely even used it but it was reported that she intended to move out of the building like the very next year right i mean you know rent prices what can you do right especially for such a such a great place, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even, like, the area was seen as kind of seedy, though. So, I mean, like, there were several Harvard students and faculty that had reported um, being the victims of muggings in the area in, like, the late 60s. And then friends of Jane had reported that while she was an undergrad, she actually had to fight off an attacker um, with a penknife. Oh but God. she never reported the incident to the police. I don't know. I could not find any reason why, though, like, whether it was because of the area she lived in and that was just kind of expected or if, like, it was because she was a woman during the 60s, you know. I really couldn't find anything to find out why she never reported the incident, but apparently it was not, like, an uncommon incident. Yeah, she sounds like a badass if she fought off an attacker with a pen knife. Go Jane. Yeah. And, I mean, now that you know how fucking sketch this place actually is, <laughs> yeah. let's move on. Okay. Okay. So, I've got a good picture. Yeah. I'm, I'm there. I'm there in my mind. Okay. So, on the night of January 6, 1969, Jane and James, her friend slash boyfriend, joined mm-hmm. a bunch of their anthropology classmates for dinner at a local restaurant, and then they went ice skating um, in the common, and... James had accompanied Jane back to her apartment, but left for the night at, like, 11.30 p.m. Okay. Gotcha. Sounds like a fun evening. Yeah. Like a fun, you know, just like a fun, a fun time. And this was reportedly, like, the first day that students went back to school after winter break. Okay. Gotcha. Um, And so it was reported that Jane went over to her good friend and neighbors, the Mitchells, to have some sherry around, like, midnight, maybe a little after. She's going over for a nightcap. Yeah, and she was really good friends um, with the Mitchells. It is reported that she actually played the organ at their wedding. Oh, she played the organ? Wow. I know. She played She's several very accomplished. I know. 
So I could not find whether she shared a like apartment with the Mitchells and like had a different room or if they shared a kitchen. The layout of the apartment was very strange. So mm-hmm. I know that they were either like on the same floor, very close, or they shared a kitchen. Maybe they were like like they just shared like a wall. And they, like, live next door to each other, you know? I think that there was some shared space, though. But I really can't find anything. Like, I even found, like, a sort of layout for the apartment. Uh-huh. But it doesn't, like, let it be known if she shared, you know, like, some, like, facilities. Like, maybe a bathroom or a kitchen with the Mitchells. But just know that they were good friends. Okay. They were her fellow um, students. They lived close with her. Um you know, so they were good just friends. Good friends, yeah. Yes. They were just, like, hanging out together in, like, some common space. Right. Right. Okay. So, cool. as I had said, um, this was, like, a couple of important days, right? They go back to school. She's in the doctor program. And the very next day, on January 7th, was an important day for, like, all the doctoral candidates because it was the day that they took their final exam to complete their doctoral process right before they began to work full-time on their dissertations. Okay, yeah, big deal. Right? So, like, this is a huge fucking test. Like, you're not just going to not show up. But Jane did not show up. Mm, Yeah, this is not like Jane. Right. Our friend Jane is very studious. She's very responsible. Mm -mm, Something's wrong. Exactly. And everybody thought that. Everyone. Everyone immediately thought that this was, like, so fucking strange. I mean, her boyfriend, James, called her over and over again that morning, but she didn't answer, Mm -hmm. and he felt like he just had to go take his test. He didn't know what was going on. He thought maybe she was sick. I wonder why nobody went check on her. Well, after the exam was over, in the early afternoon around like 1230, James decided to go over to Jane's apartment, and even though the door was unlocked, he decided not to go in, which I think kind of shed some light on um, like, the exactness of their relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, like, he didn't feel comfortable enough to just go in. Um, yeah. But he just knocked and knocked and knocked. There was no answer. And his knocking actually attracted the attention of one of her neighbors and fellow students, Don Mitchell. Um, okay. And so... Which the, was part of the Mitchells, yes. right? That she had shared drinks with? Correct, okay. yes. Okay. Um, and so the guys decided that they were going to go into her apartment and check on her... Um, and upon entering, they found her body face down on her bed with her nightgown pulled up over her head and a rug and a fur coat piled up on top of, like, her upper body. Huh. And at first, like I said, they thought she was sick. They thought she was sleeping. They were, like, weird, but okay. But when uh-huh. they pulled the coat down, they discovered her head was completely caked in blood and they realized <gasps> that she was dead. Oh, my God. Right. Just fucking strange. I mean, so was she like she was like naked from the like waist down, or from where you said that her nightgown was like pulled over her head? Had she she was like sexually assaulted, or was she just killed? Yes, she was raped. Um, they immediately called the police, who had yeah. confirmed that Jane had been a victim of murder, but they couldn't find any murder weapon on site. But um, as soon as they began to collect evidence, evidence they found out that she had also been raped as well as killed. Um, Oh, my God. Right. 
So the medical examiner found multiple lacerations on her head and face with underlying skull fractures, as well as a bruise on her arm. And they ruled the homicide blunt force trauma. So mm-hmm. basically, she was just beat to death. Um, yeah. And they determined that the trauma had occurred about 10 hours before the body was discovered. Oh, my God. Okay. So they discovered her around 12. Mm-hmm. And then it happened 10 hours before that. So around 2 a.m. Correct. Correct. And she had drinks with her the neighbors Mitchells. around midnight. Right. Okay. Midnight, 1230-ish. <clears throat> so okay. like approximately right. 12 hours after she had drinks, they found her body. Yikes. Okay. So the autopsy also revealed that Jane was hit twice in the face with something that was like very sharp. Um, but the wound indicated that she was actually facing her attacker when she was struck. I could not find anything, um, about whether she had been sexually assaulted, um, before she died or after. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's like the, the facts of this case just keep getting stranger and stranger. Um, nothing of value had been taken from the apartment. And if you remember, the door was unlocked. And the window mm-hmm. was left open to the fire escape. Okay, you didn't say that before. So the window was open to the fire right, escape? Right, but I did say the door was unlocked, right? Yes, you did okay. say that the door was unlocked. Right, and so and the window was left open. Okay, which like back then wasn't really that big of a deal because people used to leave their windows open all the time whenever it was like, you know, to let air in or, you know, if their AC wasn't working or Right, you but know, this was pretty like cold. That. It was January. Oh, Right. So why did... Did she leave it open or it was, like, unlocked? The window was open. But they don't know if she left it open or if it was just unlocked and then left open after her assailant left. Right. Ooh, that'd be a good place to check for fingerprints. Right. So the shape of the head wounds um, indicated that the murder weapon had some sort of point. Okay. Um, Okay. And, like, the lead detective on the case had... Speculated that it was something sharp like a hatchet or maybe even a cleaver. Oh um, my god. And later on, it was discovered that during the dig that Jane went with her um, colleagues to in Iran, that they found some sort of large stone with a pointed end that was a souvenir she had actually taken home from the dig. And mm. they thought that this was probably the stone that had been used to kill her, but it was missing from her house. Oh, yeah, that's probably it. Somebody that knows her did this, especially since, like, when you say she was hit, like, face forward, mm-hmm. that means that she probably knew who it was. Like, when they came in, she probably saw them and didn't expect for them to hit her. You right, know? yeah. And then... They just smacked her. Or she was probably like, what are you doing? Oh, my gosh. Put that down. Right. And, I mean, they did find a set of fingerprints that matched neither Jane or anyone else that the investigators knew to have been in the apartment. So, like, not James, not the Mitchells, um, nobody. Hmm. So, this is where the case kind of takes a really weird turn for me. And this is what really brought my attention to it. Um, investigators found, like, very strange things had been happening at the scene of the murder. Um, 
They call them mystical funeral rites. What? Okay. Mystical funeral rites? Yes. Okay. I almost said whenever you were like, yeah, she took this crazy souvenir from a dig site I was like what if it was haunted like <laughs> yeah. she picked it up and like the spirits of the dig site were like don't take my things and they followed her home well I mean you definitely won't find me taking anything from any sort of <laughs> dig site absolutely or... not yeah um it's a no for me haven't you seen poltergeist <laughs> no I mean so okay they found some very, very um, particular red dust that is called red ochre. Mm -hmm. And whenever they were talking to um, her colleagues and the students in the department, um, mm -hmm. one of the department chairmen said that this dust was actually used in rites as being part of an ancient Persian burial ritual, which includes mm. sprinkling the girl's body with red ochre and then piling the body with a coat, a rug, and other similar articles of clothing, okay, which is exactly what happened in Jane's case. Detectives yeah. did find that her body was sprinkled with a line of red powder, almost <gasps> like um, pottery clay. Yeah, yeah. And then they also found the red ochre like on the walls and the ceiling and the floor of her apartment. Oh, and as I had everywhere. told you, right, and as I had told you, her body was piled with like a rug, a fur coat, her nightgown. Yeah, yeah um, just like the top of her body, right? Right. The um, professor, who was Professor Stephen Williams, um, had said that this pigment is used in pottery, but it has been used for like thousands of years by a lot of primitive societies for like funeral rites yeah Ooh. um right isn't that so strange it's really creepy I feel like that's that's familiar to me the name you know red ochre I know that we use ochre it's just like as a color mm -hmm. name but red ochre sounds really familiar as like a substance to me but I, I can't put my finger on it but it sounds so creepy right and so I like I had to dig for this information. Um, another article that was leaked that said Jane had reddish imprints on her face. Um, and the detective on the case said that anthropologists had advised that the markings on Jane's face had appeared of those used in primitive burial rites. And these primitive burial rites, I had to do some research of my own, which I thought was kind of fun because this is, like, super interesting to me. Ooh, but yeah. these Tell were described as, like, ancient symbolic methods of purifying the body to get it into paradise and to rid it of evil spirits. Oh, okay. And you said this was, like, Peruvian? Yes. Oh. Yes, and the detective on the case said that tests by Harvard scientists and the police labs um, determined that a reddish-brown liquid had, in fact, been dabbed on her skin. Weird. Right. This might be completely irrelevant, but in later articles, the professor who had actually identified the burial rites said mm -hmm. that um, he took all of his funeral rites statements and information back. He backtracked everything. So the guy who was like, yeah, this is for sure what it is, later said, no, I'm not sure, or yeah. I didn't mean that? Yes, exactly. 
creepy. Yeah, I thought that that was super strange. Also, it's notable to me that Peru is on the opposite side of the globe as Iran, which is where the dig you know, was. This, yeah, where they were having the dig, and then supposedly the murder weapon is from this site, but they're talking about Peruvian burial rites. It's like completely different cultures, different continents. Right. Like, what is going on? Right, but that did lead detectives to speculate because along with the ritualistic way that her clothing had been placed in piles to cover her body and the killer's like apparent lack of interest in taking anything valuable from her apartment, um, yeah. it led them to believe that she had probably been killed by someone who knew her from Harvard mm-hmm. who also had extensive knowledge of ancient civilizations and burial rites. Uh-huh, like a professor. Right, or a Ooh. boyfriend, not boyfriend. <gasps> yeah, that's exactly what I said at the beginning. I said it was him, but, <laughs> ooh, that's so weird. Right, This, that, I mean, like, this literally just made me have the chills because, like, it's just so weird to think of somebody being killed and then, like, having like all these strange rites performed especially like since this is what she studied or she, what she was super interested in and that this is what killed her right like, she spent her whole academic career studying these ancient things and she's an anthropologist and she gets killed and has these rites done to her that'd be like me getting killed by being stabbed with thousands of acupuncture needles like that's just so creepy it's so weird right or me being murdered with lots of heavy books or yeah badly written essays (laughs) exactly stab you to death with a pencil a red pen yeah exactly yeah (laughs) stab both my eyes out first so I don't have to look at it anymore um (laughs) pretty much all of Jane's friends had like nothing but good things to say about her and nobody could recall a single person that would want to harm her or even give a single reason why she would have been killed yeah she seems like she was just like a good student who stayed herself like who wants to hurt that person exactly three days after the killing the cambridge police announced that they had actually found the stone but they would not (gasps) say where (gasps) oh You know, I, okay, so we've been reading a lot of books about murder lately, (laughs) (laughs) which is totally fun. Um, So fun. Because we were totally both just reading The Chestnut Man, which is that Danish book that we were talking about before. And they're always, crime books are always talking about not giving information to the public so as to avoid false confessions. So people can't call and say, I hid it there you know, wherever they found it, I hid it there and I'm the one who did it. So if somebody does call and say, yeah, I know where you found it, then they can know it was for sure this person. Right, so. like it was Professor Quirrell in the library with the candlestick. <laughs> the bludgeoning by Professor Quirrell with the Sorcerer's Stone. Yeah. <laughs> and Yeah, exactly. So, but it's like, just tell us. Just let us know. Just exactly. give us the details. Right, I know. It drives me nuts. But this just, just led to, like, further speculation from the media and her friends and everybody that she knew 
said that it was like the college culture for people to take hallucinogenic drugs. Mm-hmm, yeah, yeah. And so a lot of her friends and a lot of the media started to speculate that maybe she didn't know this person and maybe they were on some sort of like hallucinogenic drugs. It just, okay, well, let me just say that plenty of college kids drop acid. <laughs> Not me. And don't scared. murder their <laughs> friends. Right. But I mean, like, what if you have a really bad trip? That's why you lock your doors. Oh, my God. That should be our new motto. Like, lock your doors. <laughs> don't do acid. Lock your doors. <laughs> Stay inside. Wear your damn mask. Yeah. Wear your fucking mask. Oh my God. <laughs> Anyways. Okay. Yeah. So, I... Personally, I've never done acid, but I do know that people who do acid say that they do have crazy ideas and crazy things happen to them, but that's not, like, I don't think it's very common for people to be on a bad trip and just, well, except for bath salts. Mm. Well, there are some people who do bath salts and eat other people's faces, so... (laughs) You yeah. know, yeah, it could and have been that's awesome. all, I don't know. That's anyway. always a really fun time for everyone involved. <laughs> Love bath salts. <laughs> Love don't it. Don't do so acid, much. but I do bath salts on the reg. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Wink. <laughs> I mean, it was just like the police kept so much information so close to their chest that it was hard for anybody to kind of even speculate. Really? So they just started coming up with things like this, like hallucinogenic drugs or, yeah, you know, things like that. And police actually took down the names of over 100 people who had contact with Jane in the doctoral program at, and the archaeological dig that she attended prior to her murder. But again, okay. nobody could point to any specific tension or issues that anyone had with Jane. So after these details leaked and the media started to speculate, the chief of police actually put an all-media blackout on any information or future news Mm -hmm. relating to the Jane Britton murder. And the ban hadn't been lifted in over 40 years, and information is still, like, so hard to come by. It took me so long to find info for this case. What? Okay, so, like, what does that mean when you say, like, they put a media blackout? Does that mean that they're, like, they're not communicating about it anymore or they're not taking any more, like, what does that mean? Like, they're not communicating at all with the media about anything relating to the case. Oh, my gosh. What what would be the reason for that? I guess because they had no suspects, hardly any evidence other than, like, the red ochre... They were really trying to solve it. It was a young girl's murder in, like, a very scary time. Yeah. You know, and But I, didn't they have fingerprints, you said? I wonder why they didn't fingerprint, like, everybody that was close to her or everybody that was on the dig and, and do all that fingerprint Well, I analysis. couldn't find that they didn't. Oh, because of the blackout. Right. Well, I think that's really sketchy that they haven't said anything or, you know, we can't... We can't see, like, what kind of police work that they've done, you know? Right. It's incredibly crazy to me because, I mean, like I said, there is, like, a handful of articles on this case. And, I mean, there's hardly any information. I mean, Mm -hmm. like, just barely anything. And it was just so crazy to me that they just completely stopped all contact with the media about this case. Um, Yeah. 
And I couldn't find out whether it was because, you know, they just really wanted to find a suspect and nail him or if it was due to her family because they were such prestigious people in the um, collegiate world. Right. And I also think it's because of, like, everything that was going on during that time. And I'll go on um, to explain that in a little bit. But something interesting that I found was that her boyfriend or friend, James, was Uh mostly cleared of suspicion, um, but he was never arrested. So that's what I say when I, that's what I mean when I say like mostly cleared of suspicion. But um, he and the Mitchells were scheduled to take polygraphs um, to clear up like any minor discrepancies or like, you know, possible things that they could have lied about. And while the Mitchells showed up and passed, James never showed up, taking advice from his lawyer, which, I mean, I can't blame him because I really don't agree with polygraphs. You know, they're not... Yeah, they're um, super unreliable. Right. Um, And, like, not long after this polygraph incident, James mysteriously withdrew from the graduate program at Harvard. And he was almost done. That's a lot of money to just withdraw and just be like see you later (laughs) right and he pretty much fell off the face of the fucking earth because i could not find anything about him suspicious there are so many suspicious people surrounding this and you'll see what i mean people run i don't know if he ran or if he just dropped out or what i mean and like on a on a Reddit thread, you know, some people were, like, coming to his aid and saying, you know, like, well, his girlfriend was just murdered. You know, like, that has to be really hard, you know. Like, pro- he probably just didn't want to finish the program or maybe he was depressed or whatever. But yeah. either way, no matter how you put it, I think it still sounds really sketchy. Well, I mean, also, just, like, it's always somebody you know when a young woman is murdered it's almost always somebody that she knows and like 90 percent of the time don't quote me on that i don't have any actual sources (laughs) but like 90 percent of the time it's always the husband or the boyfriend you know and so i wonder if he was receiving like a lot of threatening messages or if he was getting harassed a lot as like yeah we know you killed jane and he just like wanted to get away from it and that's that's very possible understandable yeah I'm about to blow your mind. Okay. I'm <laughs> I'm ready. So, on February 6th, less than a month after Jane was found dead, another <gasps> woman with past connections to Harvard was found slain in her Cambridge residence under similar circumstances. Oh, we've got a serial killer. So, Ada Bean, a 50-year-old former research secretary at the university, was found raped and beaten to death in her apartment about a mile from Jane's building. Oh, okay. In addition, Ada's body was also found on her bed, face down, her nightclothes were pulled up over her head, and she was covered by blankets. Covered in blankets. Oh, my God. So she, too, was found by somebody who noticed her absence at work. So in her case, it was her employer. She had Mm. failed to show up for work. um, And they entered the apartment with the assistance of the building's janitor. So the only difference in these was that the building for Ada was actually very secure. And it did have outside locks and functional indoor locks, unlike Jane's. Okay. So that means somebody had to have known her or known them like this has to be personal I can't it's this isn't just like 
oh, somebody was just breaking into the seedy apartment because it was easy to, like, rape women. Like, Right, and a lot of people came to the exact same conclusions that you did, that the same assailant was involved because the two killings were so similar. Yeah. But yeah. also during that time, Albert DeSalvo, the Boston Strangler, had confessed to 13 murders. Hmm. <sighs> I mean, he was sentenced to life in prison for these murders, but his confession had been the only evidence linking him to most of the Strangler murders. And then there had been some speculation that there was more than one killer responsible for these killings, like a second killer who might have resumed his activities with Jane and Ada. And police would not ever say whether the two murders were linked to each other or to any others. Right, so either like linked the Boston Strangler and or a copycat. Correct, because the media blackout was still going on. Right, um, but did the Boston Strangler, I mean, I don't know if you looked at this, but did was there any, like, ritualistic death stuff with him? Okay, so a little bit about what was going on in Boston at this time. So between June 14th, 1962, and January 4th, 1964, At least 13 single women between the ages of 19 and 85 were murdered in the area. And these women were eventually tied to the Boston Strangler. Most of the women were sexually assaulted in their apartments and then strangled with articles of clothing. The oldest victim died of a heart attack. Two of the victims were stabbed to death and then one who was also badly beaten. Mm-hmm. Something similar was that there was no sign of forced entry into their home or apartments, and the women were assumed to have either known their killer or voluntarily led him into their homes. Yeah. I mean, this was back in, like, the early 70s before, you know, back when people were still, like, hitchhiking and everybody, like, trusted everybody and right all that good stuff. So it's, like, not out of the realm of possibility for somebody to knock on their door and be like, hey... You know, I'm here to fix something that, you know, your apartment sent me in here to check on, and then he murdered them, you know. Right. Well, in addition to the Boston Strangler, in the fall of 1964, um, the police were also trying to solve a series of rapes committed by a man who had been dubbed the Measuring Man or the Green Man. So, October 27th, 1964, um, a stranger entered a young woman's home in East Cambridge posing as a detective. He tied her to the bed and proceeded to sexually assault her and then suddenly left down the fire escape saying, I'm sorry, as he ran. (laughs) Oh my god, I didn't mean to laugh at that, but like he's running away like, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry I sexually assaulted you. (laughs) I didn't mean it. He like runs away. Right, Um, like what the fuck? What was going on in Boston? Like this is some fucked up shit. Like this is not just one woman's murder, but like a series of murders and rapes. I mean, yeah, well, you know, like this was the emergence of when we started to really see the patterns of serial killers and the patterns of these men who were coming out to be, you know, actual predators. And right. I think that it's strange that he went down the fire escape. Yes, indeed. As I did. So they knew who this man was. Did they ever find him? They never. I could not find that they found this man. Okay. So he was in the same area, and then this happened after, well, you know, the the thing where he ran down the fire escape saying, I'm sorry, that happened before. Correct. So he could have been escalating. Right. And getting up the courage to do it later. 
Right. And the murder of Jane eventually just became another cold case. And mm. her parents passed away, her mother in 1978 and her father in 2002, without knowing the truth about their daughter's death. But in recent events, in 2017, um, what? there were several public requests for the DA's office to publicly release case files. Um related to Jane Britton's murder, and they decided uh-huh. to actually test the DNA that they had found from the semen found in Jane's apartment. Now, they had tested um, DNA in previous years but found nothing. But in 2017, they had new technology, and unbelievably, yeah, yeah. they found a match. <gasps> oh, you know, that's all this, like, mitochondrial DNA stuff coming out now when you send your stuff into Ancestry DNA 24 right. Me or me and whatever. They right. gonna find you. Right, like let me find out that my great 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 uncle was a fucking pervert. I'll cut his <laughs> dick off. <laughs> he's probably dead if he's that great 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 uncle. You never know, girl. Some of these dudes they just be living. But, okay, so they found they, yeah, they get a match they with found new DNA a technology. Fucking match. Michael okay. Sumter, a convicted <gasps> murderer and rapist who had died in two thousand one. What? Yes, so without new DNA from Sumter to verify their findings, they turned to the next closest thing, a DNA sample from his brother, who they located through a service much like Ancestry.com. I told you. Oh, my God, yeah. So, well, is it 23 in me? I said 24 in me. <laughs> I should know about that, and I don't. Yeah, so, like, oh, my gosh, that's so creepy. Right, and the sample from his brother matched the original sample and ruled out 99.92% of the male population and proved within a reason that Michael Sumter was, in fact, responsible for the rape and murder of Jane Britton. Um, now, according to the Middlesex DA's office, Sumter was no stranger to Cambridge. He lived there as a child. He worked just a mile from Jane's apartment in uh, 1967, and he was convicted of assaulting a woman in the area three years after her murder. Um, so in November 2018, the Middlesex DA's office um, confirmed that after nearly 50 years, her case was finally closed. Oh, my God. But for me, so guy, I feel very weird about this conclusion. Me too. So I'm saying, so this guy didn't know her? He didn't know anything about her? He was just some random Yeah, that's what they're saying. Murderer? Yes. And to me, it just seems so strange. You know, what about the red ochre? What about the, um, the, the piling? Yeah, the piling of the clothing. You know, what about her facing her attacker? Yeah, and then also the other woman who was, you know, right. um, yes. murdered in a similar way who was also connected to Harvard. Right, and I could not find anything about her. This seems like a setup to me. It does seem very strange, doesn't it? And I mean, yeah, I found some even stranger things about this case concerning Don Mitchell, um, the neighbor um, yeah, yeah, who yeah. lived, you know, right next door to Jane with his wife. Yeah. Um, okay. So, I don't know if you've heard of websleuths.com. Yes, I do know of the websleuths. Okay, so there is like a 45-page thread on websleuths that is like dedicated to Jane and her murder. 
And I bet you read it all. I did. (laughs) (laughs) I knew it. Right. And surprisingly, Don, old Don Don, is Mm. not a stranger to Web Sleuths either. He has been commenting and corresponding for years on this thread, giving, like, just enough info and hints to readers that, like, he's, like, letting you know or giving you hints that he believes he knows who killed her. And um, I had kind of looked up some stuff, and he believes it's a visiting professor who dropped by the apartment a few times and had a crush on Jane. And... Digging even further, the professor was actually able to leave at the end of the semester unquestioned by the police. Um, And John says that at a retreat of some kind in the Midwest, the professor drunkenly confessed to the murder to another professor. So supposedly this witness Hmm. got in contact with the Boston PD and was scheduled to speak with them whenever he got back from a trip abroad. But then he was struck by lightning atop (laughs) some Mayan ruins on this trip um, and was never able to be interviewed. (laughs) So you're telling me he was smitten by God so that he could never give this interview? basically like how fucking weird is this case like oh my god like this girl this poor girl's murdered in her home ancient peruvian burial rites and then a visiting professor or um you know tells another professor and then this professor gets struck by lightning atop some mayan ruins (laughs) oh my god this is like Epic on the scale of biblical proportions. But let me just say, I don't trust old Don Don. Neither do I. But I think, I think Don somehow got this other man's semen <laughs> and did this and threw it all over her room. Oh, yeah. Or, you know, if you guys, of- if anybody on this podcast knows about Don, let us know. We believe yes, he was collecting like random men's semen. Yes, if you ever meet someone named Don Mitchell, please watch out for your semen. Don't give your semen to anyone you don't trust. Someone will frame you with it if you do. Right. So, please email us at galsandgore at gmail.com if you know anything about Don Mitchell and his semen stealing practices. Mm-hmm. What if, hear me out, what if... If Michael Sumter donated some sperm for some money and old Don bought it and used it to cover up his tracks at the scene of the crime. Well, you know, I think that I am predisposed to mistrusting men named Don. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But, I mean, like, even with this information... I just find this whole case to be so unsettling and the conclusion to be to just feel very wrong to me. It's just unsatisfying. Yes. I mean, the most satisfying part, unfortunately, was some rando professor getting struck by lightning on top of Mayan ruins. Was he white? He was white. The man who got Or was sh- he Spanish perhaps? Um, well, it could have been the Mayans just taking revenge on white people and Spanish people giving them smallpox. 
and wiping out their civilization. It's possible. I mean, I don't know. I just find this whole thing to be very strange. And I find that it's strange that Don is just like on a web sleuth. Yeah. Like. Wouldn't you want to be like as far away from this as possible? I would. I mean, Don has a wife or he had a wife and like. Right. Right, I mean, and Michael Sumter actually died, like I said, in 2001 of cancer, and I mean, so, I don't, to me, this case, like, you know, it is a closed case, and Jane actually had a brother, and he he feels very vindicated by this conclusion, and he's so happy to the DA's office for not giving up on his sister, but for me, I don't feel vindicated by this, I feel like... This is a very convenient solution to a very, mm-hmm. like, strange case. You yeah. know, um, I just don't see this random man going into Jane's apartment, performing these weird rites. And even if he didn't perform the rites, where did the ochre come from? You right. know, why was that sprinkled on her body? And, you know. And how did he know how to do that? You right. know, or what to do? Correct. I agree with you. I think that this is strange. I mean,. Even if we look as far as, like, you know, if the DA's office was really being pushed mm-hmm. for, you know, a way to kind of close this case up, this this Sumter person would have been, you know, a really easy scapegoat. Right, he's to, already to dead. On. And he did, yeah. he was convicted of assaulting and killing someone. So, I mean, you right. know, I'm not saying that he's innocent in any way, shape, or form, but I but don't buy this? it. Right. I yeah. don't buy this at all, and I this whole case just leaves me with a very, like, yucky taste in my mouth. Yeah. You know, because it just seems so strange to me. And then what it about Ada up. Bean? Yeah, it doesn't add up. It seems like it would be more likely that the person who killed Jane and Ada were the same person, but not, you know, this random strangler and rapist killing both of them in this ritualistic way. Correct. But... And if if you want my personal opinion, you know, my personal, amazing, detective, sleuth, Danish, crime, mystery, loving... Yes, I do. ...opinion, you know, it's it's that somebody at Harvard who was Uh either a fellow student or a professor did it. Yeah. You know, because, I mean, Uh before this... Before this case, I had no clue about any Peruvian burial rites or, you know, anything like that. And I just thought that that was, like, the craziest thing to me. Nobody just knows about stuff like that unless it's something like it's your intended field of study. Right, right. And I just think that this is very weird and I, I just find that it's weird, you know, the whole case. The blackout, the whole thing with Harvard, the two women... The piling of the clothes, the red ochre, you know, everything is so weird. And I I just cannot see this boiling down to Michael Sumter. We need to know. Yeah. We need the DA's office to tell us. There's more (laughs) to this than they're telling us. They're probably cursing us out right now. um, Probably. If they were to ever listen. But that's me. I don't believe it. I think it's very strange. And I think that it was convenient. Now, for the longest time... Both Ada and Jane were both contributed um, as Boston Strangler victims. Right. Up until, like, just recently, like, 2017. 2017. Right. Now, Ada, I don't know if she is still considered a Boston Strangler victim. Um, I mean, not officially, you know, but, you know. 
they just say, like, oh, right. she is probably right. Um, yeah. But as far as I found, her murder is still unsolved, and they have said that Jane Britton's murder is closed with Michael Sumter's DNA. I don't know how I feel about that. Yep. I mean, I don't know. DNA doesn't lie, you know, science, but still, it's just really fishy. It doesn't add up. Yeah. I don't know. I do feel a little unsettled. Um, I think that the moral of the story is lock your doors. And lock windows. your doors. Wear your mask. Don't drop acid. <laughs> Not recommended. Not recommended. Never done it, but you could kill someone. Well, wow. What a scorcher on this brisk 100-degree day. <laughs> what a scorcher of a case. Right. You really cooled me down. Oh, thank you. Lots of this uncertainty and speculation. I know. I thought that it was interesting. I mean, it really doesn't have, like, a good ending. I'm looking forward to seeing pictures that you put on the website and also pictures on our Instagram, which you can also see on Instagram at Gals and Gore. Uh, all one word, or you can also see us on Facebook at our Gals and Gore Facebook page. Just search for us. We should be there. Yep. And make sure that you rate, review, subscribe, share us with all of your friends. Um, yes. Lock your doors. Wear your masks. Wear your fucking mask. Oh, man. We've got people all over the country, like, voluntarily submitting their DNA to an unknown source and they think that masks are what's going to be the thing to control us. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you can also visit us at galsandgore.wixsite.com slash podcast. See all of our updates, sources, where we got all of our information. Yes. And we hope that you're out there drinking your electrolytes along with your alcohol. Yes. Staying hydrated. Why don't you do like a little Pedialyte quarantini? All um, right. Well, we hope you enjoyed it. If you know anything about this case or if you have anything to add, please let us know. Um, yeah. If you have any suggestions, comments, concerns, please email us at galsandgore at gmail.com. Yep. And we will see you next week. Okay, you guys. Boy. Boy. The other day I had a Zoom meeting for work and <laughs> when I got off of it I realized my phone was nowhere to be found and I was like what the fuck. So I got my phone and I had over 140 videos and pictures. Um, did I have kids or did I have dinosaurs? Because listen to this fun clip. Definitely dinosaurs. <laughs> That's my fucking kids. Like, excuse me.